Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Well, good morning, Elevate Church. How's everybody doing today? You guys good? Come on, is anybody glad to be in God's house today? Come on, let's make some noise for God. After all, that's why we are here gathered together. Just wanna say welcome too to those of you that this is your first time checking out Elevate Church. Listen, we know how intimidating it can be to come into a room where you don't know anyone. And so we often say that we want you to feel welcome here, welcome home, but a lot of people say that. We actually want you to feel wanted here. And so we just want to say, man, you are so wanted here. We're so grateful that you decided to walk through these doors. But can we do this? Can we welcome everyone joining us online as well? Hey, we want to honor you guys and say thank you. I'm still a little jealous sometimes that you're at home in your PJs, but hey, it's time to get back to church if you haven't already. Um, And listen, let me just say this, if you are a guest and you've never maybe experienced a a church like, like this because you might at some point during the message, there might be some random kind of energy in the room. You might hear someone, you know, shout out like, amen, or that's good, or, or preach it white boy. That will be my wife that says that. And you might be like, well, what's that all about? Well, here, I'll, let me tell you what that is, is all about. See, we just believe that the word of God is living and powerful. And this is not something that we have to do. Come on, somebody help me out. This is something that we get to do. Come on, we get to open up God's word. We get to have God speak to our hearts through his written word. And so listen, if people get excited and clap and cheer, can I just tell you, that's all right. It might be a little strange for some of you, but come on, let's let's talk back. Let's engage in this. Because how many of you know, if your team won a game yesterday, or an NFL game, you'd be standing and cheering, would you not? Or if you went to a Coldplay concert, you would act a fool. So how much more in the house of God where we're talking about life and death and blessings in our homes and blessings in our family, come on, and blessings in our workplaces. Come on. But listen to me, you go ahead and, you know, if, if that's not you, you go ahead and feel welcome to sit there with as much politeness or indifference as you can muster. But for those of us, man, that just are, and when people shout, listen, it's not about anything that I say, it's about the fact that they are grateful for what Jesus has rescued them from. And so they're just gonna engage that way. And I wanna encourage you uh, to do that as well. Before we dive in though, I wanna do the most important thing of all, and that is just to pray. When we pray together and I I get to pray with you, what that does is it it kinda quiets my heart. It kinda helps me um, focus on what God wants to say, but it also puts myself in an expectant position. Because how many of you know the last thing you need today, and I'll just be honest, is a message from Colby. We need God's spirit to show up and God's spirit to speak to us. Otherwise, this thing that we do, this gathering called church is, can be silly. It can be dangerous, actually, unless God is the one who is running this show. And so we just, and some of you, I watched your faces as you're coming in. Some of you have that giddy, my kids are back to school, you know, face on. You're like, yes, thank you, Jesus. And it doesn't matter even what I say up here. But some of you have that, you know, I'm overwhelmed. Dear God, help me, Colby, don't tick me off today because you know you just have a lot going on. So let's do this, let's pray the grumpy away and then we'll dive in and I'm gonna get a new microphone. God, just ask that you would 
Speak to our hearts in this time. God, we pray that your, your presence would be greater than any other presence right now. God, we pray that you would fix our minds and our, our thoughts on you and you alone, God, that we would just create an opportunity for you to speak directly to our hearts in such a beautiful way that there would be no shadow of a doubt, God, that you are speaking directly to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Um, let me just tell you a couple weeks ago, I'm gonna grab a different microphone. It was popping last service too, but you know, what are you gonna do? A couple weeks ago, my, my kids, I, I took my boys to Cedar Point. We got any Cedar Point fans in the house? Yeah, yeah. So like, I love Cedar Point. And let me just, little little hack to give you right here is that um, Cedar Point, the best time to go is, is when Ohio is back in school and we are not yet in school in Pennsylvania because you don't have to buy the fast pass thing and I'm not spending money for that anyway. And you can pretty much just go walk onto the rides, whatever you choose. I think the, the longest we waited was like 15 or 20 minutes for a ride and it was awesome, but we stay uh, at my in-laws house. They have a place outside of Vermilion in an old like camp conference retreat center called Beulah Beach and there's a bunch of cottages there. And there's a bunch of people staying there that were, are retired, you know, and kind of, you know, in that uh, journey right now in life. And, and Kristen brought my youngest son, Gray. And when we got back from Cedar Point, I, w I found out that Gray had been going in and out of random cottages, <laughs> taking money. Yeah, right? Looking for money. He's on this kick right now. He's just finding the coins and the change and look how much money, you know, I have. And so I asked him, I'm like, Gray, were you going in and out? of people's like homes, taking stuff? And he's like, no. So not only are you a thief, you are a liar <laughs> as well. I'm like, I didn't teach you that. Your mother probably taught you that. I didn't teach you that. <laughs> but I was thinking about this and, and I thought that, you know, this speaks to something that all of us are born with, this problem of sin. And I can't find a better sentiment uh, about the global epidemic that we read about from, from Genesis to Revelation than what the prophet Jeremiah said when he said this in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. In other words, the heart has a capacity, this great capacity for so much stuff, but above all of it, it's broken and it's flawed. And it's, it's jacked up. And he says this, it's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And by the way, if you, you read the context of, of who he's talking to in this passage, he's not talking to outsiders. He's talking to insiders. He's talking to, to God's people, the, the supposed faith-filled people. He's saying, look, our heart above everything at its core because of this infestation called sin is wicked and deceptive. And then he says this, he says, who really knows how bad it even is? Who even knows? And so here's why, Elevate Church, this is going to be such an important series for us. This is going to be a, a culture clarifying, kind of DNA defining type of series. And here's why I'm asking you to not miss a single week over the next four weeks. Like if you have a kidney transplant scheduled, move it, all right? Postpone it. Because this is that important to where we are. This is the, the lifeblood of our church. We believe this. Write it down. If you're a note taker, if you're not a note taker, 
write it down anyway. We believe that all human beings, all, somebody say all, all. me included, have a heart problem. Every single one of us. We have a, a heart problem. We have a heart issue. And if you would sit there and say, Colby, I don't have an issue. That is your issue right there. We have a heart problem. And if that wasn't enough, I'll take it a step further. Although all of us have a heart problem that requires a complete and total heart surgery, we also believe that there is only one surgeon, only one person, only one name who is great enough, right, that mankind must be, be saved and transformed through. Colby, where do you get this? I get this from Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate authority. And I realize some of you have been, you know, maybe you're just kind of checking the whole church thing out. You're just kind of kicking the tires of faith, so to speak. Or you might even, you know, have qualms about so-called Christians because you've met some of them. And so you have some, you're already feeling a little bit on edge, but you walked into a church. And so I'm not hiding the fact that we are Jesus people. We are Bible people. Jesus is our only authority. He is the ultimate authority. And this is what he says about himself. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one, say no one, no one comes to the Father except through him. That's Jesus saying that. That there's no other, other name. In this single statement, Jesus drew this, this line in the sand really with, with implications that have started wars around the world. You know, people have died for this. He drew a line in the sand when he's saying, I'm the only way that, that households have been split, never to speak again because of what he said right here. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody can get to God, can get to heaven except through me. And his first and most trusted disciple, Peter, Peter, in fact, was the lead pastor of the very first church, like the capital C church. You know what I'm talking about? Not, not little C like we are. You know, this, we're, this is Elevate Church. We're part of, you know, the capital C church, the church, like the Ohio State University. Come on, I just had to throw that in there. Like the church, this is what he said to a group of, of guys, and this could have gotten him killed. He said this in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in who? No one else. No one. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's it, you guys. There's no other name through which mankind, humankind, can be restored and redeemed and saved, put back in a right relationship with God. No other name. Not the name of any former president or current president. Not the name of your, your favorite billionaire pretend astronaut like Elon Musk or, you know, Jeff Bezos. No other name. So not only, right, is the human heart desperately wicked and deceitful, and who can know the, the depths of our, our wickedness, we're also told that there's only one heart physician, and his name is what? It's Jesus. And that makes this series so significant. That makes this so incredibly important. This is where we draw the vision for who God has called us as a church to be, right from here. In fact, I can take it one step further. Not only is that crazy enough that we're all broken 
and in need of a surgeon. And there's one surgeon, but Jesus in the scriptures invites you and me. If we have been changed and transformed by him, he invites you and I, broken and flawed and as imperfect as we are, to participate in the greatest message and most important message this world has ever known. Did you know that? In fact, God has a, in his word, he has a name for our participation. You know what it is? You ready for it? Don't be scared. Don't freak out. It's the word evangelism. Dun, dun, dun. Now listen, I know when some of you hear that, you start to, to freeze up. But evangelism simply is this. Once Jesus grabs a hold of your heart and begins to change your heart, he invites you and I into this, I'll call it crazy, I'll call it fun, I'll call it exciting, I'll call it um, sometimes messy, often messy, sometimes frustrating, but ultimately it's this beautiful masterpiece of the Holy Spirit of God in you working in tandem with God the Father to, to bring redemption to a broken world. That's what it is. And there is nothing greater. There's nothing greater than being used by God for his redemptive purposes on this earth. There's nothing greater than being used by God to see people cross over literally from, from death to life. And you cut us open as a church, you're going to find the bottom line is this, that we exist to know God and to make him known. Come on, say that with me. We exist to know God and to make him known. That's it. That's, that's as simple as I can make it. We exist to, to make heaven as crowded as we possibly can. And I understand that while that sounds maybe too simplistic or too broad for some of you thinkers in the room or some of you that are like, well, I've been, you know, reading scripture for all my, my life. You know, I've come to realize that if I don't flesh this out, what this really means for us, for our church, then some people might erroneously believe that we're nothing more than an A to B church. And we just want to see you saved, and then good luck. That we just want to see you caught, and then you're on your own. And can I tell you something? That could not be further from the truth. Like we, like how many of you know, knowing God, like fully knowing him, is a, a more than a lifetime proposition. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you can fully know God and understand his fullness and goodness and what he wants, you know, in your life until, you know, one day we get to be with him in heaven. Like, so it's a lifetime proposition, but it's as simple as I can make it. We exist to know God and to make him known. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about fishing. Some of you guys are pumped about that. We're going to talk about what it means to partner with God in his redemptive plan for the, the world. We're going to talk about how we do that and his heart for lost people. And I'm going to do it uh, starting from one paragraph found in Matthew chapter 4, if you have your Bible. Matthew 4, starting in verse 18, it says this. It will be up on the screen. One day, Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and his brother Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And this is what Jesus said. He called out to them, come and follow me. They fished for a living, and he said, come and follow me. Now let me stop right here, because if I'm meeting someone for the first time, and I'm a professional fisherman, this is what I do. This is how I support my family. This is how I make ends meet. 
Are you with me? This is how this is how I pay taxes, which is you know what they were required to do back then to Rome. This is my family business. And I see a, a guy coming up to me with a beard, probably, and a nice robe, and he looks at me and says, I want you to make a, a, a career change right now. Like that brother better have a very compelling reason or a really good salary package, right? In order for me to make a career change on the spot, right? If there's no relationship there, there's nothing at all there, he better have a very compelling reason as to why I will give up what I do for a living to follow him. So here's the one-liner compelling reason that Jesus gives. He says this, come and follow me. Here's why. I'm gonna show you how to fish for who? People. That's why. That's why I want you to quit what you do. I'm gonna show you how to fish for people. And I don't know what it was about Jesus. I don't know if it was supernatural. I don't know if it was the fact that maybe they had heard you know, about this, this man and, and what he had done, and they wanted to be one of his disciples, but it says this, check it out, and they left their nets at once and followed him immediately. Now, for this series to be a success, this is the, the starting place. Like, before we, we flesh this out, before we make it practical, because I'm all about that, you know, before we... we, we, we use this message on, on a Monday, we must understand first and foremost the most authoritative template that we have been given for discipleship. And when I say discipleship, what I'm saying is what it looks like to follow Jesus, this come and follow that he invites us into is this three and a half year period that he's hanging around a small group of guys, all right, 12 12 apostles, and some other close friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And, and we see his comings and goings. We see how he interacts with them. We have him tell stories to people and then take his disciples, you know, in their small group and kind of break down some of those stories that, that he's been telling. And, and we see their tension of trying to live out what he's been saying. So our template to follow Jesus is this three-and-a-half-year period of observing how Jesus interacts with this small group of guys. Of course, there are extra biblical books on discipleship, and a lot of those are great. There are uh, even um, more stuff more stuff in the New Testament about what it looks like to be a disciple, and, and that's great. You know, it's all God's word. It's all God-breathed. In fact, I believe the entire Bible from Genesis to the maps, all right, it's all God-inspired, all God-breathed, but can we just agree that the single most authoritative template on any subject is who? Jesus, the answer is always Jesus in church, right? You just say Jesus, 99.9% .9 of the time. It'll be Jesus. That's our template. And I say that because sometimes we can complicate this. Sometimes we can complicate what it means to follow him, to be a, a disciple, when it's probably not as difficult as we make it out to be. And I think it's so interesting that the first thing, the very first thing that Jesus does as he's calling these guys into discipleship, as he's calling these guys to come and follow him, it says, hey, we're going to fish for people. It's not the second thing or the third thing or the final thing. It actually is the final thing. We'll talk about that later on. But he says, we're going to fish for people. It's the first thing. In the spectrum of discipleship, he talks about and following him, he talks about evangelism, getting the word out 
about the Messiah, getting the word out about, about Jesus. And for too long, I think, especially in our, in our country, churches have taken this approach where you kind of have to pick a tribe, pick a side. Either we are a, a discipleship church on this side or we are an evangelism, evangelistic church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you kind of have to pick a tribe. Like, choose a side, choose a team. You know, you have, you have evangelism churches, you know, where the guy's wearing skinny jeans. You can have coffee, and you can, you know, sing a rock song every third Sunday. Or on this, you know, side of the spectrum, you have discipleship churches, and the guy's wearing khaki pants and a braided belt, and the whole message is in Hebrew, right? And it's almost like you have to pick a tribe, pick a, a team, pick a side that you're going to be on. It's, it's kind of like, you know, are you part of Team Edward or Team Jacob? And if you know what I'm talking about, shame on you, <laughs> Twilight people. And you're also pushing 40-plus years old, just so you know. But it almost feels that way as followers of Jesus that we have to put on this jersey and say, I'm team evangelism or I'm team discipleship. And can I tell you something? It's not a one or the other. It's never been that. In fact, Jesus, in this, this one paragraph, he screams to us, you cannot be a thriving, healthy body if you pit discipleship against evangelism. You cannot experience the, the levels of freedom and fullness of this life I have for you if you put those two against one another. If you say, well, it's, it's all about sitting in rows. Or if you say, no, 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 it's all about just sitting in, in circles and, and reading God's word and going deeper, and I'm all for that. I'm not knocking any of that, but at the core of discipleship, Jesus is saying, hey, you want to be my disciples? And then guess what? I'll give you a lot of information. I'll, I'll give you some teachings. In fact, we're going to go confuse a whole bunch of people, and it's going to be fun. And then you and I, we're going to come together, and we're going to break it down. And we're going to talk about what some of those things mean. We're going to have our little small group time, and we're going to dig deeper, and I'll explain all that. However, it's never so you can go, look what I know, and look what they don't know. That's never the use of it. That's never what it is for. It's never so you can, you know, go and, and win the argument with your friend, your atheist friend at Starbucks. How many of you know you can win an argument and lose a relationship? The Bible says that love puffs up. I mean, uh, um, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And so that's supposed to be our approach. Jesus could have said this. He could have said, come and follow, and we're going we're gonna to pray until we're blue in the face, and that's all we're going to do. We're just going to pray, pray, pray for hours at the temple. And the guys might have been like, okay, that sounds about right. But he didn't say that. He could have said, come and follow, and we're just going to read, you know, the Torah for seven hours a day until you have it completely memorized. And they would have gone, okay, that sounds, sounds right. Or we're going to just go over the, the deep theological nuances, you know, of God. And they could have been all right. But he does not say that. He says, come and follow. And what is he going to do? I'm going to show you how to fish for people. Why? Because all followers fish. Come on, say that. All followers fish. All of us. You don't get a buy, follower of Jesus. You are not exempt from fishing for people. Well, Colby, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a teacher. I have the gift of, of teaching. Okay, that's fine. Then teach the very first thing that Jesus taught us to do, to fish. 
Are you with me? You are not exempt from this. And can I also say this? You're not above it, but you're also not beneath it. For those of you that would say, you know what, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I have the words to say. You know, we're going to cover a lot of that, a lot of what evangelism is and what evangelism isn't in the next few weeks. Today, I just want to set this up for where we're going. I'm going to stay, like, at a high level. This is like a 30,000-foot view. I'm going to stay super high. I'm going to stay, like, Titusville high. Come on. You know, I'm going to stay really high. Some of you get that later. People in Titusville are like, What? But then they think about it, and they're like, yeah, that's probably. Hmm. I'm just going to keep this super at a high level because there are so many unnecessary stigmas that have been attached to this word, evangelism, that when we hear it, it causes people to, to freeze up. So I'm going to give you one thing to get the ball rolling that I think is, is um, extremely important and fundamental to what this looks like, but it's also something that we don't normally think about. And so I want you to write this down. We'll put it up on the screen. Here's the big idea today. There is nothing, nothing on earth that we'll, we will ever engage in or be a part of that brings joy. And I would say fulfillment and satisfaction like playing a part in God's redemptive story. Nothing. There's nothing like it. And I don't say that based on what I've read in Scripture. I don't say that out of theory. I say that because I have tasted and I've seen just how fulfilling it is to, to play a part in the redemptive story of someone who does not yet know Jesus. Talk about hooked. I mean, talk about awesome. Talk about incredible. And listen, there, there is no championship game that your boys in brown or your boys in black and yellow or your boys in red and blue can win, right, that will make a lasting impact in your spirit three days after that win. There's not. There's not. It might be awesome. It might be great. But after three days, aren't we all like, well, when's the next one? What's next? There's nothing like it that will give you the long-lasting joy and fulfillment. Nothing. There's no plane you can jump out of. I've done that before. There's no vacation you can go to, exotic places. There's no, no uh, love affair that you can engage in. There are no toys that you can buy. There's no pill that you can pop that comes remotely close to the lasting joy and excitement of being used by God for someone else's redemptive story. And can I tell you why that is? It's another E word. If you want to write it down, it's not up on the screen. Screen is the word eternity. Why eternity? Because eternity literally is hanging in the balance. The eternal impact that it has on someone's heart and on their, their eternal soul, their life, nothing, nothing, nothing comes remotely close to that. Than being a part of God's redemptive story. And someone's like, Colby, that's a big statement. Like that's a, I've been reading God's word, and there's a lot of things in there, you know, that God tells us to do. That's how, where do you get that from? Let me quote Jesus and then get out of the way. Luke 19:10. The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Period. Right? This is Jesus' mission statement. This is his job description. 
This is what he was about. This is why, you know, ours is so simple and so broad at the, the same time is because his was. He came to seek and save the lost. And sometimes we overthink this. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. Sometimes we overanalyze it. Can we just kiss it? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Keep it simple, stupid. Can we just kiss it and just say, hey, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He was all about the lost and reaching the lost. Earlier in Luke, in fact, he, he's talking to his, his disciples. He says, hey, the reason that I came is to do the will of my Father. So it's not just the heart of Jesus. This is the heart of God. This is why he put the whole plan in motion so that you and I could be restored into a right relationship with God through his son, Jesus. He says, I'm about the will of my, my father. You know what God, God, the Bible says, is he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish. Like So, so this is God's heart too. And Jesus says, I must be about the will of my, my father. And you know what the will of the Father is? John 3, 16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So that whoever would believe in what he did on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, right, would, would escape the fires of hell and make it to heaven forever. Is anybody grateful for what Jesus did for them on the cross? Come on. Thank you, Jesus for not holding my sins against me, for giving me the heart surgery that I needed. I'll miss out on hell. Let's not overcomplicate this. Jesus says, I gotta be about my, my father's business, my dad's business. He would tell his disciples later on, he would say, and no servant is greater than their master. In other words, he's telling them, hey, what I'm about, whatever I do, he says, you do. What I'm about, you're about. It's the business of dad. It's the business of God. I was thinking about it in, in this, this kind of way, and I'll, I'll start to, to land this sucker. But um, throw that picture up there of my boys and I fishing. This is, a, this is actually right behind the church, just right here. This was a, maybe a couple years ago. And we're just out there fishing, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm helping Gray, you know, tying the line, doing all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, Gray wants to help. But how many of you know, you know, I let him help, but he's really not helping. Come on, parents. Right? And so we're, we're trying to fix things and trying to, you know, tie the line and trying to put the bait on and trying to get it right. Now I could turn around for a second and the reel is like all unraveled and, you know, there's a, a hook in the bush behind him or in one of his brother's legs or something like that. It's just. And, and the rest of the guys, man, some of them, they, they enjoy it. Wade doesn't really even like to fish. But he just wants to be out there with dad. He wants to be doing what dad wants to do. He wants to be doing the very thing that compels the father and gives him joy and fulfillment. And so stick with me on this analogy. You and I, we're the little kids making a mess of things. That's all right. Like, I think if God would have said, man, you know, I'm going to, once you get saved, you know, just get out of the way. Don't tell anybody about me. You know, you're going to screw it up. And that's probably what we do often. He's like, I could have had this thing done a long time ago. No, what does he say? I want my kids out there with me. I want my kids fishing. And so I just think of this as, as you and I, you know, we're, we're the kids. We're out there, not because we necessarily like fishing, but because we want to be with the Father. We want to be 
doing what dad does. We're all about dad's business. And right now, Gray, you know, he's five. And, you know, right now, he thinks, you know, his dad hung the moon. He just wants to be all about what dad does. He wants to do what I do. He wants to root for the teams I root for. You know, he wants to come to church and work with me. He wants to, you know, ride home with me, not mom, although that is, is changing a little bit. I don't know he's going to grow up and be that monster, you know, thief teenager, apparently. <laughs> but right now, he just wants to be about what his father's about. In fact, as I was putting this message together twice, I was FaceTiming him. I was, you know, he was just at home, and I was, I was working on it. And he would take the phone into the bathroom and set it down on the floor while he's going to the bathroom. Just <laughs> We can end that one at any time. But how many of you know it's not so much about helping out with fishing? Because we're going to make a mess of it. After all, God is the great fish catcher. We're, we're not. It's not about us fixing everything. It's not about us doing everything right and getting it right all the time. What God simply says is, I just want you learning right next to me. I just want you to feel the joy and the excitement of what it means to be a part of the redemptive story in someone's life. And, and, and secretly, God knows he's the one catching fish. You know, dad was catching fish. They weren't catching fish. He knows he's the, the one doing it, but as we get closer to that, now I've just realized that part of how we are wired and how we were created and when we enter into what it means to follow Jesus in this discipleship process and begin a relationship with God is that, that I want to fish. It's a part of it. He says, my followers, they all, they all fish. In fact, we believe every single body in, in this room has been wired specifically and uniquely, and we have something we call a crash course at the, the first Sunday of every month, and that happens right after our third worship experience, and we, we feed you, we, we take care of your kids, we wash them, we feed them, all that kind of stuff, just so we can kind of cast vision for what, what we're called to be as a church and your role and how you can be a part of you know, what we're called to be as a church. And I'd invite everyone who hasn't gone through that to come back today, right after our 11.30 worship experience. But let me, let me shut this thing, thing down um, by saying this, and I'll have the band come back out. God does not need us for his purposes to go forth. And, and I'm saying this for a reason, so I want you to stick with me. He doesn't need us to do what he's going to do in this earth. He wants us there. He wants us to be a part, fishing, being out with the Father in the open water, doing, doing whatever we can. And in fact, as we, as we do that, he, he says, oh, you've been trustworthy with that? Let me give you a little bit more. Maybe he's going to upgrade you from the kid's rod, you know, to the fly rod. <laughs> Maybe he's going to upgrade you from that to a harpoon, and you're going to go get some big whales out there. Don't call it Greenpeace. Maybe he's going to give you a net, and he's going to say, I want you to, I want you to be a part of catching just, a, just thousands of fish. But he just wants us to be a, a part, to be out there. And, in fact, he's going to say, you know, we're going to have this amazing time together. We're going to go into deep water. We're going to have some great stories to tell. However, he does not need us for his purpose to go forth. 
There's a story in Luke chapter 19 when Jesus is coming down uh, the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. And there's a crowd that's gathered on both sides of him. And they're shouting out, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Here's the king. Here's the king, me, the, the one who saves. Hosanna, Hosanna. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they stop and say, hey, you got to tell them to be quiet. You got to tell those people to keep their, their mouth shut. They're, they're, they, you know, they're worshiping you and they should be worshiping. This is what they say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Are you as great as they are? And this is what he says. He says, if they don't worship and sing, the rocks will cry. That's right. The rocks will cry out. Because earlier God had made this covenant with Abraham in the Old Testament. And the Bible says that God is not a man that he would lie. And so you need to know that if he makes a promise and a covenant with you, it's going to be fulfilled. But he looked at Abraham who was, we call saved. He, was, he said he was um, a righteous man. And he said, I'm going to make your descendants outnumber the stars in the sky. And in fact, if you and I just did a cursory search of how many stars we think there are in our galaxy alone, scientists will tell you it's about 100,000 million stars in our galaxy alone. And he says, I'm going to make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky to Abraham. And God is not a man that he would lie. And so here we are 2,000 years later and counting, and it's estimated that 2.3 billion, with a B, people follow Jesus in this world. God is not a man that he would lie. And so Jesus says, if they don't worship, guess what? The rocks will cry out. If they don't recognize who I am, the creation will. He's saying, God will have a covenant people, whether it's rocks or something else. And I say you that, tell you that to say this one thing. Listen, free yourself up. The results of you fishing in evangelism, that's not up to you. The results are not up to you. The results are above your pay grade. The results are not your responsibility. You know what is? It's willingness. Availability is your responsibility. To say, you know what, God, just use me however you want to use me. Lead me into relationships. Take me out fishing. God, I know you've called me, and we're just going to believe that as God does that, it is a fundamental and vital part of the discipleship process in our lives. So here's how I want to finish. I've said my piece, but it's not enough to sit here and talk about things in theory. Like we've always been known, I believe, as a, a church of, of action. And so I think the first and greatest thing that we can do before we even, you know, continue on in these next four weeks is first say this, God, if you don't have it already, God, give me a heart for lost people. Maybe for the first time, God, give me, give me a heart to fish. God, God lead me into opportunities to, to fish, to be a part of the, the, the redemptive plan that you set in motion in someone else's life, no matter how great or small that is. God, let me be a, a part of it. And so this is what I want us to do. We're going to be a church that reaches a loss at any cost.
We're going to be a church, not a country club, not a cruise ship, right? We're not, we're a battleship, so man a gun, people. This is not going to be a, a think tank kind of church. Like I graduated college in Kentucky with a 2.1. There ain't no think tank happening, all right? Just get used to that. But we will be a church that fishes, that comes alongside God and fishes not just in this city, but in Harbor Creek, in Girard, in Jamestown, in the prison system. Come on. We're going to do what God's called us to do. And again, along the way, we're just going to believe it's a fundamental part of our discipleship process and understanding more and more of the heart of God. So let's do this with every head up and every eye open because we're family here. This is it. This is going to be crazy. I want you, if you'd say, you know what, Colby, I need more of a, a heart for evangelism or count me in. I'm going to do my, my part. See, it just we could talk about it, but this is kind of where accountability comes into play. If you say, that's me, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to invite people. I'm going to get the word out. I'm going to, I'm going to join in this, this search for lost people. Right now, don't do it if, if you don't mean it. But if you mean that, with every head up, with every eye open, would you just stand to your feet wherever you are? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Come on. So God, I pray for everyone standing in this room right now that God, you would give them opportunities today, this week, God, to fish for people. God, I pray that you would give them a heart for the lost. God, I pray that you would continually break our heart for the things that break yours. And I pray, God, for opportunities to, to play a part no matter how great or small it is in the redemptive plan and story for people that you so love that you are desperate to see come into a relationship with you. God, thank you for a church that follows after your heart. Thank you for a church, God, that wants to reach the lost at any cost. And I pray, God, that we would leave these, these doors today and do exactly what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on. Hey, I'm going to dismiss you so you can all stand to your feet if you're not already. But I think Paul Harvey said it best. The church has long been known as keepers of the aquarium when we're called to be fishers of men. Hey, church, let's be fishers of men. Amen? All right, God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next weekend. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.